Good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 546 of F5 Live, refreshing technology for Sunday, December 29th, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Sony's changing the controller. Cox is paying for your privacy. Nope, piracy. It's okay. It's the end of the year. I'm going to make mistakes. And Sling is charging more for their TV. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, on any of our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Mixer, Twitch, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, or Periscope, on any of the podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, uh, Stitcher, or um, any of the others, or of course, on our website, plugkitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is Sunday night, about 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can watch us live and chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. We always love to hear what you have to say. If you can't join us live, that is okay. If you go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe, you can see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, and a lot more, and uh, find all the different ways that you can subscribe to uh, these and all the other shows. I think that's the spiel, Abram. How have yes. you been? Oh, not not too bad. It's a quieter, a quieter week, because uh, our, uh, our office has been officially closed like thursday friday monday tuesday and wednesday okay so even though i still have to do some work i'm not getting do doing it that many hours a day and i'm not getting as much done as i would have liked to because i am actually spending some of that time with my family i know that's terrible but (laughs) (laughs) it's it's kind of difficult it's kind of difficult to uh you know my son is off it's kind of difficult to be like yeah you know i just want to see if i can write an extra review during Uh my time off right um so no i gotta you know i want to spend the time with him so um it's it's unusual to get to get that much contiguous time together yes yes it is right because even if i take time off even if I use a vacation day, he's got school. So, right. you know, uh, so it's, uh, you know, so it's been, uh, it's been a, it's been a fun few days. Um, Good. you know, looking, uh, I'm starting to feel nervous about CES, uh-huh. which I know we're both going to be at mm-hmm. starting, starting next week. I don't have all my appointments scheduled yet. Uh, the, it stresses uh, CES is just one big stress. Uh-huh. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, truer words have never been spoken, Abram. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I'll, I'll just leave it with this. I like to think of CES as sort of like one of my daughter's soiled diapers. The only thing worse than, worse than changing it is not changing it uh-huh. and letting it faster. So that's what CES is like. The only thing worse than going is not going and, and and uh and missing out and missing out on important stuff so like i gotta go and everyone who i meet there all the companies i meet there it's all lovely it's it's great it's just 
getting around with all of the crowds and uh-huh. the different locations yeah. and having to walk, march through these casinos that where you're trying to make you get lost. Cause they have like signs pointing in like five different directions. Uh-huh. Like yeah. it's just waiting in a cab line for an hour to get a cab to go from one foot to go a mile. Yep. You know, it's uh, yep. that's, that's, that's the part that becomes a real pain in the butt. Yeah. Well, my, my show experience is going to be a little different this year since uh, I will be spending probably most of my week in the live studio. Um, we have 152 interview slots. Wow. <laughs> in four days. Well, listen, if all you're doing is if, if I got to just stay in one place there, then it wouldn't be, it's there a, wouldn't be so much stress. Yeah. It's a whole lot easier. Yeah. Of course, the fact that, that uh, Michelle and I are getting to executive produce the network's coverage this year adds uh, a level of of stress on top of on top of the norm. But I I'm very excited about it. Michelle is very excited about it. Um, we've got some some really cool stuff planned um, both for during the week and the end of the week, and I can't I can't wait. And on top of that. As we tend to do at CES, when we have something new and exciting within our own company, um, we will be debuting some uh, new branding during CES this year. So uh, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, you are already seeing the new branding. It's where we've been testing it. Uh, but everybody else will get to see it. I am actually wearing a Plug Hits Live shirt right now tonight. Uh, as kind of a farewell <laughs> to the old branding, because uh, this will be the last time that this will probably be seen on camera. So, uh, all pretty exciting. When we come back, uh, there are going to be some changes in the studio too. So, 2020 is going to be a big year for us. Uh, very excited for some some visual refreshes. Because for those of you who have been following us for a long time, this logo has been around for almost 14 years. Uh, yep. And and it is definitely time uh, to do some some updates and a number of a number of people within the company have worked on this branding update and we're all very excited about it. I get to pick up my new shirts this week. <laughs> Fantastic. Very excited about it. But anyway, yes, CES is going to be going to be big this year. I'm very excited. We're getting to work with, um, so the live show is going to be obviously Plug Hits Live. Um, it's going to be Geek News Central with uh, Todd Cochran. It's going to be Tech Ranch uh, with Marlo. Uh, it's going to be The Gadget Professor with Don Bain. Um, it's what other brands are represented. Uh, GNC Weekly uh, with Kirk and uh, Talking Sound with uh, Christopher Jordan are all going to be represented and it's going to be really cool. I'm very excited about it. Uh, and we're bringing back the best of the TPN picks this year. I have not told any of the TPN people that yet, but <laughs> you guys heard it first. The TPN picks are back this year, and I got these really cool trophies, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> anyway, um, that starts way too soon. Uh, next, next Sunday, the timing will be different. Uh, the show will be, uh, probably tends to be Danielle and I 
Uh, and this year we will be doing it from our new studio uh, at the broadcast tower from the Sands. So that's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be the way we test our new studio. <laughs> so seems like a live, live ammunition test is uh, the only way to do it, right? <laughs> We'll see how it goes, but for now, let's get into some news. This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, a VR or AR headset, an Xbox One S or X, or a host of other products, including software and games. Uh, you can find it all at the Microsoft Store. And if you're a student or uh, active military, you get a 10% discount on almost all products. And to uh, find all the deals that are going on right now, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So we have talked a lot about two topics. Over the last year, we have talked about the evolution of messaging and the uh, government's insistence that encryption is insane. And this week, those two stories seem to have come together in a fascinating way. There is a product that has been on the market for a little while that has been mostly ignored, uh, at least in the West, called Tutok. Yes? I know, sounds a lot like TikTok, and that's almost certainly on purpose. Uh, but TuTalk is a messaging platform that is not banned in countries where the high-profile messaging services are either banned or, uh, or uh, censored, like Messenger or WhatsApp or things like that. As it turns out, uh, the reason why it's not banned in countries like, for example the United Arab Emirates, where the pre the ones I mentioned, Messenger, WhatsApp, things like that, are banned, is because uh, it's owned by the uh, government, the United Arab Emirates government, and it's being used to uh, spy on people who are using it. The, the website and the app description talk a lot about privacy, but never mention encryption. And uh, so I guess all that talk about privacy is uh, smoke and mirrors because all of the data that goes through the service, including your location and contact list, which they, uh, they get permission for under the auspices of giving you uh, intelligent recommendations for friends, uh, all goes through a firm called Dark Matter, which is under investigation by the FBI for uh, international espionage. So, why is their name of their company so on the nose? <laughs> like, you know, it's like <laughs> and you ever you watch a show and like the bad, the bad, the villain is named like something with a name Mal in it or something like that, <laughs> like Malefactor mm -hmm. or something like, oh, well, I guess this is the villain. Right. Like, it's like you know, don't throw you know like it's like the software version of Peter and the Wolf. They're not they're not trying to hide anything. 
Right, exactly. Like, they're not even... I mean, they couldn't spin it as a euphemism or something like that. No, dark matter. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. 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 (laughs) I know. Well, it's amazingly self-aware. It's true. So... So the the hacking firm, and that's what they call themselves, is a hacking firm. Um, this this hacking firm, Dark Matter, their name is right on the on the money, and then the software name, Tutok, which people immediately associate with TikTok, which is a Chinese government spy and censorship platform for their own citizens. Uh, here you've got a United. Wait. Uh, TikTok. What? Wait, TikTok is used by the Chinese government. It's owned and operated by the Chinese government. Really? Uh huh. Yeah, TikTok is so owned and operated by the Chinese government, and uh, the government uses the data that goes through it to determine people in China who are uh, mentioning uh, topics that are uh, off color, like. Uh, homosexuality or democracy. Yeah. It, TikTok is a terrifying platform, just like TikTok. The, uh, the Wait, isn't TikTok where, where people listen to Old Town Road? It's where ki- young kids dance with no shirts on to music that they don't recognize. Oh, all right. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, t- well, I guess... TikTok is the evolution of the old Musical.ly app uh, after the Chinese government bought that right. app. Uh. So, so I mean, they immediately associated themselves with government spying and censorship right from the name. Yeah. So th- the, this whole thing is pretty well on the nose. <laughs> yep. So TikTok this week was banned by uh, the federal government and the military from use by any government or military personnel to talk was in the process of being banned uh, by both the government and uh, the military from use once this came out, but Apple and Google made sure to uh, take care of this one and uh, pulled it from both of their stores. So at least in the West, who knows if it's available elsewhere, but it's definitely not available uh, in the U S anymore. So, uh, I guess sometimes they they act on credible information, but uh, yeah, fa- absolutely fascinating. Especially considering theoretically the UAE is, I mean, it's a a dubious partner, but it, it is technically an ally in a number of of fronts. For example, the war on terror, the UAE is is an ally of ours, and here we are going, uh oh. So. Where this where this intersects with our other topic from the past uh, year is if an, a messaging app does not mention encryption and does not uh, transparently offer encryption and just talks about privacy, it's nonsense. It's what Snapchat did, and it turned out, oh, yep, Privacy. Yeah, your messages disappear from the other person's device in 10 seconds, but we're going to store them all on our servers unencrypted forever. Um, So if they don't transparently talk about encryption, the privacy they're talking about is nonsense. Um, So 
definitely be careful. Watch wording. Language matters. Uh, and in this case, language really matters because it turned out to be uh, a bit of a spy app. So I, obviously it probably doesn't apply to or matter to people who are you know, U.S. citizens. But if you're, you know, from the Emirates or you're here and from there, you know, it could be it could be problematic for you. So luckily it's gone in the West, at least in the West. But be careful with messaging apps. You can't necessarily trust them just because they're trendy. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. Uh, when you're using the internet, whether it be on your computer or your phone, you can't necessarily trust the things you're using. People might be watching what you're doing. It could be Facebook or Google. It could be your ISP. It could be an app like Tutok. Any of them can be watching your behavior, but with a product like PureVPN, you get some added protection. You get obfuscation of your browsing history. In some cases, you can even uh, encrypt data and uh, your browsing history. And uh, right now, PureVPN is, uh, as they tend to for for our viewers, uh, running a, a deal. Um, if you sign up for a, uh, a couple of years subscription, you can get uh, the service for as low as a buck eighty-eight a month, uh, and that's a great deal. And you can find out about all of the discounts that are available right now, and um, get a free trial of the service by going to pilchpoint.live/purevpn. So it's the end of the year, Avram. It's also the end of the decade. Indeed it is, which is crazy to think. In just a couple of days, it the, went by it's the so 20s. fast. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. It's really weird to think that we've been doing that uh, we've been doing this show in just a couple of days. We will have been doing it in three decades. <laughs> wow. <laughs> crazy time. Uh-huh. So Wow, time really flies. <laughs> So, you know, it just seems to me like decades, maybe it's just because I'm not as in touch with like youth culture and popular culture as I was when I was younger, but it just seems like the zeros and the tens didn't really have like a style and character like the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know? Sure. Ah, Other than maybe the roaring 20s. what, What is the... But that, yeah, right. that's a. But I mean, that decade is its own special thing. What I mean is, like, almost every decade from the twenties through two thousand, you could sort of say there was there was a yeah. something that's symbolic of it, like, you know, the Roaring Twenties, you have flappers, and you know, excess, and then the thirties, the Great Depression, forties, war, fifties, you know, a certain. Uh, anyway, point is. <laughs> You know, I don't know. I can't, you know, I don't know. Like, you know, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, I want to listen to some 80s music. I don't know. Are there going to be people who are going to be like, give me some 10s music. Give me Old Town Road. Anyway. um, So, um, so, so anyway, 
a lot, you know, a lot has changed in the world of technology in the last 10 years. And at Tom's Hardware, we put up an article on Friday about the most influential tech products of the 2010s. And, uh, you know, here's a little taste of it. So uh, one thing, you know, one thing we found really uh, influential uh, was AMD's first Ryzen chip, the Ryzen 1800X, really brought AMD back into being a serious competitor in CPUs where it was just kind of only making bargain basement types of chips for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Ryzen actually put it uh, in direct competition with Intel's fastest chips. Um, and it's been so when the Ryzen 7 1800X debuted in 2017 and it had eight cores and 16 threads and it was like half the price of what you would pay for something with that much multitasking from Intel, uh, you know, it really uh, it really made a dent. And now we obviously see just tremendous growth for AMD. Um, yeah. Another thing, of their, course, you'll forgive my is, continuous. Their stock is through the roof since, yeah. since the rise in chips. Yep, that is, you know, and, and, you know, in a lot of ways, they're ahead of Intel now. They have seven nanometer process. Mm -hmm. Intel can't even produce 10 nanometer at, uh, at scale, you know. So, um, obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, we all know I'm a big fan of the Raspberry Pi. That came out in 2012 and I think was a huge uh, influence, was a very, it's been a very influential product in all of its iterations. Uh, it's really inspired uh, and really, you know, given a huge boost to the maker movement, to people building things like robots and home IoT devices, to kids learning how to program and things like that, and to what we expect from a cheap computer and a small single board computer. Mm -hmm. You know, for $35, you can get a really, really uh, powerful uh, device in the Raspberry Pi 4, and you can use it for everything from surfing the web, which is not really the best use of it, to, you know, using to building a security camera, a robot, a web server, uh, you know. So that's obviously a very influential product and, and often copied. Another thing that really came to life in the last 10 years is variable refresh monitors. Uh, you know, it was, you know, it was in, in 2013, NVIDIA first introduced G-Sync, uh, which was closely followed by AMD's FreeSync. Uh, and now we, uh, you know, now we generally call the whole thing Adaptive Sync. But the idea of having your video card synchronized to your monitor's refresh rate uh, so that you don't have screen tearing um, is, is very mainstream now. And 10 years ago, who would have, who would have thunk of it? Mm -hmm. um, another one of my favorite most influential products and it's unfortunate to me that even six years after it's six years after its release it's still not as widespread as it should be but USB type C yeah. uh, is definitely one of the most influential products of the tens um, you know g coming up with a universal with a you know with a with a way to do USB that is it carries 100 watts of power and is reversible and you know could could just do so many things 
you know, that's obviously made for big changes in the industry, but it's still shocking how many products don't have Type-C on them. Um, another thing that was really, another other product that were really influential in the 10s is the Microsoft Surface. Um, whether you want to talk about the original Surface that was running not real Windows, Windows RT, or the Surface Pro, uh, the fact is Surface inspired you know, a whole form factor, a whole bunch of imitators mm -hmm. trying to have a tablet with a lightweight keyboard cover, including Apple's iPad Pro. So that has been an extremely influential, extremely influential product. In the studio, uh, so, in the studio right now, there are two of them. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you think about things that are, I mean, what are some of the products that really stand out to you, Scott, um, that really stand out to you as having sort of changed the industry? You know, I, when, when you mentioned this at the beginning of the show, I had not looked at the, at the list yet. And the first thing that came to mind for me was USB-C. Um, so I'm definitely with, yeah. with Andrew on that one. Cause I see his name on that one on the list now. Um, yeah. I, I definitely 100% agree, agree on that one. Um, I think not just not just the fact that it's way easier to plug something in, right? Which of course it is, but <laughs> I think I think that's a bonus. <laughs> no more do you have the the situation where it you only get it on the third try, um, <laughs> which is I mean it's going to ruin a lot of memes, but that's. <laughs> Yeah. But you know yeah. the the more universal nature of it. It's not micro on some things and full size on other things, and you know A on this and B on that. Nope, everything's C, and I think that's a, a really great idea. You can run video over it and all kinds of stuff. Um, but I think I think the other the 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 wider variety of of hardware. Right, it used to be. Whether that be, you know, the surface technology, the surface devices, somebody's unhappy, huh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I hear somebody unhappy in the background. Uh, whether that be the surface devices adjusting the, uh, the, the overall landscape of, of computers or, you know, AMD coming out of their slump uh, from, you know, their, their inability to, to transition from, uh, flip phones and feature phones to smartphone processors. Um, they they seem to take a full decade to come out of that. Um, you know the just the the wider variety of hardware. You've you've got everything from from you know your traditional big powerful beefy gaming desktops and laptops all the way down to the Raspberry Pi and the Arduino. And they're readily available. No longer do you have to be like an oddball consumer to go hunting for that powerful gaming laptop. It used to be a real pain this time last decade. If we were talking about this in 09, it wasn't that easy to, for a regular consumer to hunt down a, a powerful beefy gaming laptop. But today you can get them at Walmart. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a, I, I just think the variety of hardware um, that has come out of this decade has been probably the biggest influence. And I, I, I think that has to do with 
the technology getting smaller, right? We've got so much stuff that's been able to get smaller and more powerful in a smaller, smaller piece. So, you know, miniaturization might be my thing <laughs> for the decade. That might be the, yeah. the biggest technology now that I think it out. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you take that trend and you extend it, think about even now, while they're readily available, gaming laptops are still fairly heavy and you can't actually game on them unplugged. Usually yeah. the video card throttles and you can't really, you can't really play uh, just on battery power. You could use it as a computer, but you, you know, it's usually integrated graphics or something when you're on battery power. So, okay. you know, that to me says like, that's, that's the next step is can you actually play wirelessly? You know, can you actually play unplugged? Uh, and that I think requires, requires some advances in, in terms of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, either better integrated graphics or more power efficient, more power efficient, discrete. Yeah. Um, I, I can see that we're not going to really battery technology is not going to provide the solution. It's no. going to have to be power efficiency. Sure. Um, and you know, the other thing, the other thing that I think is going to be the technological takeaway from the, the 2010s is going to be virtualization. Um, whether it be the idea of, of, you know, cloud computing and how, how easy virtualization has has become for software developers in the cloud to to be able to go to Azure and say new web service for computers with a load balancer walk away and eight minutes later it's ready to publish to that's crazy and the fact that you can scale that machine from one core to sixteen core in about three minutes. That's insane. Um, and, you know, when when uh, Bill Gates and uh, Jerry Seinfeld were walking out of the mall with a pair of shoes and somebody said, to the cloud, I know that this isn't what they were talking about. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, if you look at how many things it has made possible, you know, Project X Cloud and uh, Google Stadia and things like that on the gaming side, you know that ability to take some of the load off of the computer and put it somewhere else. Um, or uh, we talked to a company at, at Collision this year that was doing something similar, but not really for VR and AR, where they were kind of offloading some of the rendering so that the the hardware didn't have to be as beefy in a headset, you know, just the idea of virtualization, the, the ability to push stuff, you know, hard stuff off site, um, and be able to do it remotely and just push the results back down. I, I think that'll be one of the, the takeaways for this decade. So, um, I know obviously those, those three, are not going to be your whole list, right, Avram? Your mic's not on. Oh, sorry, I was no trying worries. to mute out. Uh, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Uh, so, uh, if you go to tom'shardware.com, um, 
uh, on our homepage, you'll see a list of the of the uh, most influential products of the 2010s. Uh, and you will also see, I'll just put in a picture of this, because uh, it's very influential to me, uh, a list of the best Raspberry Pi projects of 2019, oh. uh, which has a lot of fun stuff, including my favorite, a robotic hand that you can control from another room by using a glove. Um, nice. So... Anyway, so check all that out on Tom'sHardware.com. Also, uh, coming up to mo- coming up uh, this week, uh, the worst products of the 2010s. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that one. <laughs> yes. Do you have any? Do you have any suggestions for a late edition? I can add. I'll be adding probably adding more to the list tonight and tomorrow to the worst list. You know. Let, let let me get through the show and <laughs> let my mind get back onto yeah. thinking about things because I was prepared for the first yeah. question. I wasn't prepared for the second one. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> I got it. I prepped myself. If that. we have anybody in the chat, if we have anybody in the chat room, I, uh, I, I definitely uh, ask uh, if you have any worst products of the last deck of the 2010s, that you would like to suggest worst tech products. Sure. Well, that I seriously, I'm looking forward to that one because yeah, sometimes schadenfreude can be fun. <laughs> Indeed. You know, from a personal perspective, it doesn't really quite match the caliber that we're looking for. And I can definitely appreciate that from, but from a personal perspective, This damn LED strip that has owned my life for the last five and a half weeks. <sighs> I know that's oh, not the caliber we're it. talking about, but oh, what a pain in the butt that thing's been. <laughs> anyway, as always, Avram, I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, you're you'll have a good uh, uh, New Year this week, and uh, I will see you shortly in Las Vegas. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and consoles are available from Razer. Whether you're looking for a new keyboard or mouse, like what we use here in the studio, you're looking for a cool webcam that's got a chroma key built in, or you're really into RGB LED and you want to uh, really pimp out your office or your gaming room with uh, devices that all light up in sync with one another. Razer's got it all, and you can find all of those products by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. All right, so um, over the last couple of weeks, we have heard a uh, ton about, at least in the grand scheme of things, about the new uh, Microsoft console, what was once Project Scarlet and is now the 
unbelievably stupidly named uh, Xbox Series X. Um, but this week we got some interesting new information um, in rumor form about the uh, PlayStation 5. Sony has been uh, less forthcoming about the information about its next console, um, but a design patent filing with the World Intellectual Property Organization this week uh, showed some changes coming to the uh, DualShock 5 controllers, theoretically. Now, of course, any time a patent is filed, you have to take it with a grain of salt because it may very well just be them messing around. They may have filed it just to keep us on our toes. Anything is possible, but... This design is fairly familiar. It looks a lot like a DualShock 4 controller with the addition of the add-on available for the DualShock 4 with the uh, back button accessory attachment built in. If you don't know what that is, that is okay. Most people don't, and it's the reason why it has uh, almost no support. Uh, it adds buttons to the back, similar to uh, some of the Xbox controllers, so that your right thumb is not in charge of all of the button activity. If you want to be able to program it to do uh, your more common things, you can move them on the back where your fingers already are and probably aren't doing anything. So it that accessory for those who knew about it and those who purchased it was very popular. And it looks like Sony might be adding it officially to the hardware for the next generation, which personally, I think it's cool because I have never found holding a PlayStation controller terribly comfortable, especially the three and four, um, because everything is up here, but it's designed to be held <laughs> like a PlayStation one controller with your fingers down here. So by bringing some buttons down and making them customizable, uh, it really does add some uh, some uniqueness to your gameplay. So if you know uh, jumping and melee are your thing, you could bring jumping and melee to your back buttons and uh, and make the fingers that are holding the controller in place start being useful. Something I kind of like. And as somebody who tends to own both consoles. Uh, and tends to play more on the Xbox side because I hate the PlayStation controllers. Um, yeah, this might actually this might actually shift me uh, some that direction. Yeah, I think it's a great innovation. I mean, what are you doing with your middle finger, with your middle fingers or your uh, your index fingers when you're holding the controller? Right, not not much. You might so some, some people might put them on the on the bumpers or the triggers up top, but that's, you know, yes, that's a weird hold, but you've still got fingers down here that are doing nothing but holding the control in place. Yeah. And so if the yeah, buttons exactly. are right under those fingers already, and you have the ability to, to map, you know, X and O down there, which for a lot of games would be jump and melee. It, it seems like a great way to not have to move your thumb back and forth between two separate aspects of the controller here here's my concern about it i mean i think it's i think it's great for being an option for people to map stuff to mm -hmm. i think it 
I think it could, you know, you already have like how many buttons on, how many buttons do you have? You've got the two triggers, the two shoulders and the four, mm-hmm. the four action buttons. And that's not even talking about any of the, like the start or select right. uh, buttons that you have on controllers. Right. So, you know, you've plus, got basically eight plus play on buttons the, to work. Plus on the four, you've got that, that touch panel. The DualShock 4 has got that that right. weird swipe panel on it. Right. So you're going, I mean, if you have a game where you need 10 different buttons to play, uh-huh. you know, if that, if those buttons, like if you can't, if those buttons are by default used by something, that could be a little bit, you know, much. And then I don't know. I really don't know enough about this topic to speak with great uh, authority about the topic of, uh, people who 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 are uh, differently abled and can't you know mm-hmm. don't have use of their full of a full hand or whatever. But uh-huh. it seems to me that if somebody if somebody has problems with their hand with their hand, whether it's arthritis or they or they don't have five fingers, sure, or or, or things like that. Yeah, uh, adding buttons to the bottom of the controller makes it exponentially harder to to use because for sure it requires you to grip it this way mm-hmm. yeah and and you know my guess is that at some point in the next year or two we will see sony uh try and try and play in the arena that microsoft is already playing in with the adaptive controller um but i think microsoft shocked everybody with that uh i don't think anybody was prepared for, for the adaptive controller um, and I think Sony will get into that space or Microsoft will make the adaptive controller work with the PlayStation five, which might be more likely because um, it already works with the switch. Uh, so, um, you know, for people who, who are, you know, differently abled with their hands, whether it be dexterity or, or missing uh, digits or whatever it is, you know, something like the adaptive controller may be the better option anyway. Um, just in general, because there's there's so many unique ways that you can use that to, to control a game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just in, in all reality, mo- it's going to be weird for a lot of people, even, even long-term gamers. You know, these buttons might be weird for a lot of people and might be difficult for, for a lot of people to be able to access. But since they are uh, remap buttons and not unique control buttons, I think that's important. They will, they will replicate another button on the controller, which I think is way better than, like you said, adding nine and ten to the controller. Now, if you're using it on a PC or something where you can, you know, maybe there are macros or mm-hmm. something that sure. you want uh, for certain games where that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine that the that the control software that will inevitably come out for the PC because the DualShock 3 and 4 both have control software for the PC. I would imagine that the uh, the reprogram reprogrammability uh, would be there to do more complicated, more interesting things than just remap the X and O button. So, but again, like we said at the top of this, it's a patent filing. It does not mean that this is what the DualShock 5 controller will look like because 
If I had to guess based on Sony's history, we will find out details, uh, true details about the console either at E3 2020 or shortly before, like they did uh, with the, the PS4. Um, they did their, their solo event and then gave bigger details at, at E3. Uh, one of those behaviors will be what happens. So they have several months to really nail down what their plans are. Uh, more so than, say, Microsoft, who already showed off a photo of the Xbox Series X Phone 7 uh, <laughs> controller uh, at their at their uh, last event. So I cannot, by the way, I cannot stop hearing in my in my head Windows Phone Series 7 when I say Xbox Series X. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, did, did, you, did you guys not learn your lesson with Windows Phone Series 7? It's so hard to say. Xbox Series X is no better. Anyway, doesn't matter. Not what we're talking about. That will be the branding disaster of 2020. For now, that doesn't matter. Uh, but it will be interesting to see what Sony does with the controllers. This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters <laughs> and B-movie oddities like Attack of the Super Monsters, which I am pretty sure seems to be part cheap animation and part playing with uh, puppets. Uh, oh, terrible. Anyway, the way it works is for a couple of bucks. You download the MP3, play it along with the DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, where this one could possibly exist, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> oh my god, it's terrible. And laugh. Um, they also do live events. Uh, the live shows tend to ev uh, eventually show up on the uh, on the website as uh, as downloadable content as well, and uh, they also have short films, those industry films like uh, the importance of springs. I know I use that one every time because it's terrifying, or the the films that you uh, you watched in school. Uh, all of those get made fun of and made watchable by the Rift Tracks group, and you can find out about all of the short films, the feature films, and the live events by going to f5live.tv/rifttracks with an X. I will never get the voice of the spring out of my head because it's horrifying. Anyway, um, so it's weird to end the decade with a story that is very much of the last decade, but here we are. Um, the recording Industry Association of America, RIA, um, and a number of non-members uh, created a coalition of 50-plus companies and got together in uh, 2018 to sue Cox Communication. Now I know, it sure sounds like this would be a story from 2006, but it's not. Um, they filed suit in 2018, and here's why. 
because they believed that Cox Communications did not uh, filter the internet. No, no, of course not. Um, <laughs> because there's no evidence that in the last 15 years, the ISPs have done any of that. Um, and so, so they claim that Cox is uh, complicit in piracy on their network because they did not watch their users' web browsing uh, habits and prevent them from accessing certain parts of the internet. Now, a couple things. One, at the time, the FCC was working on their, their version of what they thought net neutrality was, which would have prevented Cox from doing that. Um, and also, who wants their internet service provider to be watching their every move and start going, oh, you, no, you can't go to that website. So, but Rhea does. Rhea wants them to be doing that. And unfortunately, a federal court in Virginia does too. Because the suit, after three weeks of, uh, of trial and testimony, resulted in a $1 billion fine against Cox Communications for just over 10,000, yes, 10,000 instant instances of their complicit action. A billion dollars because they did not filter some people's internet access. That is a terrifying legal precedent. Well, what it says is, Cox, you should be monitoring people's internet usage and or and so you know i don't foresee uh isps like you know if this stands expect every isp to try and do more things to spy on your internet usage mm -hmm. to make sure that you're not doing something that they could get sued for that's very bad yes you know that really that really says you should be using a VPN. I was going to say, that brings um, us right back to pure VPN, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, that really says you should be using a VPN. Uh, although, I wonder, is there a way for them to ban a VP ban VPN? Um, they'd have to know all of the endpoints. So, I mean, uh, the likelihood is low. It's It would be a complicated... Yeah. It would be a complicated thing to do. It's not like... Like they can, like the ad blockers that know that, you know, link share or, you know, or link synergy or whatever the domain yeah. is, is, is a known advertiser. Knowing all the IP endpoints for a VPN would be crazy. Yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, that's really not the precedent that we want to have nope. as internet users, whether you think, hey, you know, Piracy is bad. That's that's beside the point. Also, if yeah. there was ten thousand compromised there... recordings, only ten thousand. Uh huh. Ten thousand and twenty six, I believe, was the the number. Because why go with a round so, number? So, like, if that's the case, don't you think probably more than ten thousand songs, unless 
you count share, having the same song shared by different people at different times as one, uh, you know, don't you think people probably shared more than 10,000 songs somehow passing through? Somehow passing through Cox? Absolutely. So, like, yeah. So, are they going to come back for more? I mean, well, this is. Are they going to come back for more? It's a fascinating question. And there's two parts to it, to the answer. The first part is there are uh, pending uh, suits against the other ISPs for the same thing. And now that there is a federal precedent, um, only a federal court can hear them, which is what they were going for. Um, And with a legal precedent, unless they end up in a different circuit court, uh, the precedent is all that matters and a trial doesn't have to be held. Um, which is summary judgment is terrifying. Um, and yes, almost certainly they have got a, a database filled with future uh, complaints. Almost certainly. I have no doubt. Yeah. So, I mean, this is even worse, I think, than when they started to sue individual users because at least people were being held responsible for what they did. I mean, there now, was that, there was that, grand, all... there was that grandmother that was, that was sued for using LimeWire, even though she had a Mac and LimeWire didn't work on it. But yes, I, well, okay. In theory, <laughs> if, if, if it was correct, they were being sued for something that they individually did. Sure. But now who's going to pay this billion dollars? They, Everybody uh, obviously Cox. subscribers to Cox. Yeah. Everybody, Everybody at Cox is going to pay it. And, and they're not just going to pay it in dollars. They're going to pay it in their privacy, privacy because this is, this is exactly what, like what would Cox have to do? Now, what I don't understand is doesn't the DMCA, the digital millennium copyright act have some kind of safe Harbor for, for for ISPs for this kind of thing? It did. But over the last, well, not the last two years, but before that, three to five years ago, um, parts of the DMCA were dismantled. Including Ugh. including the stuff that holds that holds uh, YouTube, Plug Hits Live, Tom's Guide liable for the comments on our sites. It's the reason why, why you know, that's it's what started some of the trouble with YouTube recently. We a lot yeah, of the safe harbors I were mean, dismantled. Ah, that's that's really terrible. Agreed. I mean, somebody should do something about that. It is really is to sue someone uh, ISP for what their users did, or to sue a website for what their users did, is is so chilling because what it, you cannot a hundred percent nor do people really want you to a hundred percent control what what is said and done so like if you do that then like just take it to its logical conclusion i mean look at how much stuff is posted on facebook and social media like it's you know where where does it end? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, does it does it end at at digital or does does a, a mall owner 
become liable for providing the parking lot that uh, a robber used to store their car during a robbery. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not insane uh, because to say that, because, you know, once again, Cox provides a, a pathway to the information superhighway. Sure. Uh, as we used to call it. <laughs> yeah. They, they it, it definitely, just as, that definitely <laughs> just aged as a road. <laughs> yes. I know the, um, you know, so you're getting on, you know, you're getting on the road. They can't, you know, tell what you're doing on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right. Is the federal government responsible for, for, uh, liable because a bank robber drove down the road? It right. H- how is that any different? It's not the government could, be spying in every car to see if there's bank bags or, you know, whatever stupid thing. But that would be crazy. Just like Cox or Comcast or Charter watching every packet that comes through their network to determine whether or not it contains music. And if it does, did it come from iTunes? What? That's That's insane. But somehow, if this stands, they will have to find a way to do it because yeah, it'll never be over. Absolutely, so and they will have to find a way to do it. Absolutely, and and the interesting part is they can go contact the ISPs in Britain, many of whom stopped providing internet access for a while entirely. Because they could not figure out a technological way to prevent uh, access to adult content, which the British government mandated that they do. And so they just stopped providing Internet access for a while. They're like, well, technologically not possible. Bye bye. So, yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's a complicated thing if the the ISPs in Britain just went, nope, we're going to shut down entirely until y'all change your minds on this crazy thing. And that's that's literally what the what the U.S. ISPs are about to be up against if this thing holds. My guess is this moves up the ladder. I cannot imagine that Cox is going to say, "All right, billion dollars, we're in. Here's a check." So they're gonna they're going to try and appeal this uh, higher. And since it was a federal court, my guess is uh, there might be an, a federal appellate court above, but. I think the next move is to the Supreme Court, and this sounds like the kind of case that they are just champing at the bit to hear. Yeah. So, hopefully, they will hear it, and they will make the right decision that, of course, Cox is not liable for the things that its users are doing. Fingers crossed, but everything seems unpredictable lately, so... Who knows? This week's DRM not included in F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. In addition to your free shipping that you already know about, there's a 
lot of other features that you may not, like Amazon Prime Music, which gives you several million tracks available to stream for free as part of your subscription, Amazon Prime Video, which gives you TV, movies, documentaries, both original and licensed content, and all kinds of stuff is available, all as part of your subscription. And for me, it's all about Twitch Prime. You get one free subscription every month that you can use to financially support the content creator of your choice. You could use it to subscribe to Plug Hits Live and help us out or any other content creators out there. It doesn't cost you anything. And you get free games every month, free games and in-game content for other games. Uh, if you're a Prime subscriber already, you'll want to check these features out. We have short links so that you can find them easily. And if you're not already a subscriber, we've got a free 30-day trial so you can find out if Prime is for you. And all of that is available by going to f5live.tv slash prime. So over the last couple of months, we have seen price increases on the, uh, the major live TV streaming services. Uh, YouTube TV has done it. The service whose name seems to be its own moving target. It was DirecTV Now at one point. It's now AT&T TV Now. Who knows what it'll be called in the future. Uh, that service seems to get a price increase every other week. Um, but the originator... The company that made the concept popular, Sling TV, has managed to avoid it uh, until now. There are two uh, primary packages, the orange and the blue, are both seeing a price increase. They will go to um, is it uh, twenty-five dollars? No, thirty thirty dollars uh, per package, and uh, forty-five if you subscribe to both of them together. But Unlike the other guys, you're actually getting something more with the price increase. Um, both packages are adding new channels. Both packages are adding a 10-hour um, cloud DVD uh, feature to your subscription. So for this, in the grand scheme of things, slight price increase. It's certainly not the the 20. I think the last I saw it was a the AT&T has gone up $23 in the last per subscription has gone up $23 in the last year. Um, I think this comes out to about $5 more per subscription. And uh, the orange package has stayed the same since January, 2018 and blue has never had a price increase since uh, it was announced at CES a number of years ago. Um, so they've definitely held off, but um, you know, I think they're a bit of a victim of their own success. The idea, uh, when they got started, you know, the idea of a, a streaming based cable provider, um, totally made sense. But in the time since the CES announcement, we've seen, you know, the, you know, Abram talks about it. you we talk about it a lot. Um, the, the pairing of pipes and content. Um, has come together a lot. Um, you know, Comcast has way more control over NBC Universal now than they did when Sling TV was announced. Uh, CBS has its own service that provides your local cable channels. Uh, NBC with Peacock is going to bring that capability. 
um, you know, AT&T owned both DirecTV and uh, Time Warner, which means Turner and all of that content as well. So there's less of a reason for AT&T or Comcast to negotiate with a company like Sling, who didn't used to be, but is now much more of a competitor. Um, so I think the price increases were inevitable, but I think they were smart. They signed some long-term contracts early on, um, but it seems like maybe those are starting to come up and we're starting to see some price increases. Um, but, you know, they they created a concept that caught on, right? The The idea of a cloud cable subscription was crazy when when sling said it at, at ces everybody was like i'm sorry what are you pitching <laughs> and now you know hulu and at&t and and google all have competitors heck sony got into it with playstation view so but that that single place for everything seems to be breaking up a little bit in a sad way but I think I think that was the only way it was ever going to go when the when the cable providers started buying content too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a cost of living increase uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. With the cost of content just keeps going up and up and up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's. I mean, part of it is, you know, you keep getting. I mean, obviously, companies want to keep upping their profit. Sure. But it's also, it's also the fact that it probably gets it, it's it's a circle, right? Because you know it costs more to produce the sh- content for the shows. That cost gets passed along to to the uh, you know to the from the networks that pass it along to the cable providers mm-hmm. that pass it along to you. Right. So. Um, sure, because yeah, you, you because can't. you can't, you know, people even from a even from a sitcom, people aren't expecting, you know, Mork and Mindy quality filming and studio setups, or even Friends quality filming and studio setups today. They're expecting, you know, The Office and Parks and Rec, which had significantly higher budgets for for filming and production. And so even sitcom, you know, cost is going up. Um, but then you've got your your big budget stuff, you know, you know, Game of Thrones and Sense Eight and you know, Stranger Things, Lost in Space, stuff like that. You know, all all of that has caused the networks to have to bring up their quality. You know, stuff like The Expanse. You wouldn't have seen something like that on cable before. <laughs> before you know the just, likes of stranger things and and the modern uh uh lost in just, space kind of stuff you know they've had to bring their quality up and with that comes cost have you watched the expanse i i have started for sure because, i because i watched it when it was originally on on sci-fi and now i've seen the fourth season on amazon which is actually probably the best season so, yeah, like you know, that's good content. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, the um, but but yes, it's 
I mean, it's inevitable that that every every company that provides content is going to have to raise their price. Every every cable company, every streaming company, they're going to have to raise their prices. Mm-hmm. So, so um, the fact that they held you know, off for two full years is impressive. Good, you know, good for them. But when you hear about, I, I think of this almost like I think about the same way that I think about um, public our public transportation costs. Here, here in, in New York, you probably don't have concerned about that in Florida because everybody drives probably. But, but here, like we've got our railroads that take you from the suburbs to the city, and we've got our you know, and you've got the subway and the bus within 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 New York City, and it's like every year or two. They raise the price. Mm-hmm. And if you are one of the people who's using one of these services and your price was not raised, don't worry. It'll get you soon enough. Like if you're on the Long Island Railroad and you're not too upset because Metro North, which comes from West, which is the thing for people from Westchester, just raise their prices. Don't worry. It'll get you. will be. They'll get you soon. So if you're on Sling and if you were at Sling and you were having some Schadenfreude because your friends who were on cable services kept having higher and higher bills, uh, well, don't worry, it was coming for you too. Yep, welcome to the party. <laughs> yeah. Yep, for sure. Um, but you know, you you really do have to give them give them credit for for holding off as long as they did. You know, one of the packages never has never changed price until now, and the other one. It's been two years, so, you know, good for them, Um, but here we are. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We've had some people in the chat room this evening. We appreciate that. Um, For those of you who might still be in the chat room, uh, once again, we will uh, pose the question, um, worst products of the decade, Uh, worst tech products of the decade. Uh, definitely still put them in the chat room. We will we will check back uh, Mixer, Twitch, YouTube. We'll check back uh, <laughs> later tonight and tomorrow to see if anybody's got any ideas. Um, next week, the time will be different because we will be from uh, the show floor at CES, which will be pretty cool. Uh, we'll be from our broadcast tower. Uh, that'll be that'll be cool with a CES pre-show. Uh, Danielle and I. And then uh, all all week following that, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all day, we will be broadcasting from the show floor. A new interview every 10 minutes, 152 slots right now is what we have uh, scheduled. So it will be a very interesting week. I'm very excited about it. You'll definitely want to, uh, to follow us there. You will be able to watch it on the regular... Uh, regular page that you come to to watch us live, you know, f5live.tv slash join us will absolutely work. Um, if you come to f5live.tv or plughitslive.com, uh, it will also be the homepage. <laughs> it will take you to CES and uh, all of the Tech Podcasts Network stuff. So techpodcast.com will also have the coverage. Um, and, you know, if if things go well, it would be fun to, to maybe see Avram slide through the studio at some point if he's in the sands. I would, I would, I would really, I would really like to, and I'm in the sands a lot. Sands is the best. Well, cool. It's a better area than the LPT. I agree. 
So we are upstairs, uh, same spot we've been the last couple of years, but on the tower. I'm very excited about it. The studio can see the show floor. It'll be very cool. Um, so anyway, oh, wow. it'll be, oh yeah, the whole show, we're, we're like almost a full, no, we are a full story up uh, with the show floor behind us. It's going to be really great. Um, very excited about it. Anyway, so definitely you'll want to be watching that. We'll have a lot of content and uh, I've been keeping track of the schedule. It's going to be some cool stuff. So uh, definitely check that out. And I guess with that, uh, until next time and until next decade, I'm Scott. I'm Avery. And we'll see you next time. Ciao.